Well, Woodland Church, we're starting a new two-part mini-series leading up to Easter that will really help us celebrate the resurrection and to be ready for the resurrection in our hearts and lives. And most importantly, this mini-series is gonna help you get ready for the season of blessing that God is going to bring your way. You see, God brings seasons of blessings into our lives. We never know when it's going to happen, but it happens. God brings it into our life. Now, that's God's job. We can't control or create a season of blessing, but it's our job to be ready to recognize it and to receive it. Mendelssohn, the great composer, once visited the cathedral at Freeborg, and he went up into the organ loft. He asked the organist if he could play the organ. The organist didn't recognize him. And so he said, no way. He didn't want anyone to get around this famous organ. And so Mendelssohn finally convinced him that he was proficient at playing the organ, that he could play the organ. And so reluctantly, the organist allowed him to play. And as the first notes boomed out throughout that cathedral, the organist was just astonished. He'd never heard such beautiful music coming from the organ in the cathedral. And then someone mentioned to him, it's the master composer, Mendelssohn. Well, the organist was overjoyed. And he would later say, and to think, I almost missed the master. See, I don't want you to miss the master because he's gonna bring a season of blessing into your life. I don't know when it's going to be. I believe it could be just around the next corner but he's gonna bring a season of blessing into your life and I want you to be able to recognize it and I want you to be able to receive it and to be ready for it. It's God's job to bring the seasons of blessing. It's your job to be ready for the season of blessing and to receive it. And so I wanna be ready to receive it. We're gonna look at Abraham in the Old Testament today because he was a man who was ready for his season when it came. And so would you open your Bibles to Romans chapter four? And would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us through our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry. Wherever you are around the world, we welcome you. And all you guys here in the Woodlands campus, it's so great to see your faces. God is doing something amazing. And the way God works is he builds your faith to receive the blessing. You've gotta be built for the blessing. And so many times he works behind the scenes and so many times he works underground and then all of a sudden you see it. It's like the bamboo plant that I've talked about many times that for the first five years it doesn't grow at all. Everything is the roots growing down and then all of a sudden in that fifth year it grows up 100 feet. That's what God's doing. It's like this building that you're in right now. I remember watching this building being built, and it was months and months as they kept just putting concrete in the ground, steel in the ground, everything was going in the ground to build the foundation to hold this structure. And I would come up here and think, nothing's happening. I can't see anything. But there are all these people here working and all these machines, but you just can't see anything because everything was going into the foundation, the most important part of a building, so that it could hold the structure. And that's what God is doing in your life. He's preparing you so you'll be built for the blessing, so that you can hold the blessing, 
so that you can experience the blessing, so that you can give the blessing to others. God is preparing you for the next season in your life. And maybe you can't see it right now, but it's coming. Your season is coming, and I want you to be ready for it. And so let's look at Romans 4 as we see that Abraham was a man ready for his season when it came. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Dear God, we thank you that you're able to do whatever you promise. And I just pray today that you would just remind people all over the world that are connected with us right now of the promises that you've put into their hearts. And you'd bring those promises to life, Lord, and that you would show us how to be ready when our season comes, and that you, Lord Jesus, would really teach us about your faith-building process, so we'll be built for the blessing, and I just thank you, Lord, especially for all those who are going through really tough times, that you would let them know that you're right there with them, and this is part of the process, so that we can be built for the blessing. Lord, we need you. We need you to work miracles. You're the only one who can change one life. And I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna change many lives today. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna do many miracles today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And this passage tells us that God's blessings are undeserved, that we could never earn or deserve a season of blessing in our life. It only comes from God's mercy and God's grace. All my good works can't earn anything they're like filthy rags to God and his perfection. And so we can't earn or deserve a season of blessing in our lives. That's God. And it's all about his mercy and grace. But we can cultivate our heart to be able to receive the harvest. We've got to cultivate our heart to receive the harvest. And the key is faith. And so faith is really the whole key to being built for the blessing. Faith is the secret to being ready to receive the blessings of God. So I want to look at Abraham's life today, and let's look at this process that God brought him through. It's the same process that God brings us through time and time again to be ready for the seasons of blessing in our lives. 
in what Abraham did during these seasons that he went through. First, don't waver during a difficult season. It's only in the difficult season that your faith is really developed. That's what Abraham experienced. God promised him that his season would come. God promised him his season was on the way because God promised him he'd be the father of a great nation, that he would be the father of many nations. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky, too many to count. And yet, Abraham and his wife Sarah were experiencing infertility. God promised him he'd be the father of a great nation, of many nations. Many nations, his descendants would be so many that it would be like the grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. And yet, they couldn't have one child. That's what I call a season stopper. And in your life, you will go through difficult seasons. Before your season of blessing arrives, you will go through difficult seasons where you will experience season stoppers that stop you in your tracks and make you re-examine everything that you're trusting in. That's just the way faith is built. That's part of the process that God takes us through so we can be built for the blessing and prepared to recognize and receive the blessing. In Romans 4.20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. It was the difficult season that built Abraham's faith strong enough to be able to hold the blessing that God was about to give him. In James 1, 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now focus on that phrase, the testing of your faith. To find the treasure, you have to go through the test. There's no other way around it. And some of you needed to hear that today because... You're going through a really difficult stretch on the freeway of faith, and the road has been so painful and so rocky that you're just about to give up. But to find the treasure, you've got to go through the test. So don't you dare give up when the treasure is just around the next turn. You're on the verge of the greatest blessing of your life because the greater the test, the more you're blessed. So don't you dare give up now. This is just part of the plan to build your faith so you can be built for the blessing so you'll be able to recognize and receive it and be able to give it. Otherwise, you won't be able to handle it. And so God always takes us through seasons of difficulty to get us ready for seasons of blessing. Some of the greatest treasures are buried the deepest. Some of the greatest treasures are actually buried in the testing. Some of the greatest treasures you can only find when you're going through a season of difficulty. For example, the only way to find the treasure of real joy is when you're going through a season of difficulty and you dig beneath your circumstances. Because we always think, if I can change my circumstances, I'll be happy. If I could change where I live, I'd be happy. If I could change jobs, I'd be happy. If I could change spouses, I'd be happy. If I changed houses, I'd be happy. We're always thinking if we could change something, we would be happy. And it's just not true. Because the problem is not circumstances. It has nothing to do with circumstances. The problem is 
wherever you go, you can't get rid of the problem. The problem goes with you because the problem is not your circumstances. The problem is you. That's the problem. And see, God chooses the seasons of blessing in our lives, but we get to choose whether or not we have joy in the blessing because joy is found beneath the circumstances. If you have to move one inch from where you are right now to be happy, you'll never be happy because it's not about the circumstances. It's about your choice. It's about what's in your heart. Joy comes from within, from the Holy Spirit of God, giving you joy in the middle of problems and difficulties and the rocky road of life. That's where you discover joy. It's the only place you can discover joy. God wants you to discover joy. You see, happiness is an elusive destination in which you will never arrive. Joy is found in the journey of life. That's the only place you can find true joy. You'll never arrive at that place of happiness when all your circumstances are perfect. That's called heaven. You're not gonna arrive on this earth at that place, and we're always trying to arrive at this destination, and when we get there, we're gonna be happy. And it's an elusive destination that doesn't exist. But you can find real joy in the middle of the problems, in the middle of a season of difficulty, and that's the only place you can find that treasure. So don't waver during a difficult season. And then the second thing that we see that Abraham does is he rests in God's timing in a season of waiting. Because there's always a season of waiting before you receive a season of blessing. And we have to learn how to rest. It's part of God's plan to build and develop our faith so we'll be built for the blessing. In Psalm 37, seven, it says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him to act, don't fret and worry, it leads only to harm. Focus on that phrase, rest in the Lord. You see, when we're waiting, during a season of waiting for our season of blessing, we get restless. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the waiting room of life, I get restless and I run ahead of God many times. We get restless and we run ahead of God and we don't wait for God to come through and we try to help God out. And rest is a sign of maturity. Children don't like to rest. They don't like to take nap time, you know, in preschool. And when my kids were little, you know, little toddlers, whenever they would get tired, they would always fight it. You know, most kids fight it when it's nap time and trying to get them to sleep. They'll just fight it because rest is a sign of maturity. And so God wants us to learn to rest because if you don't learn to rest, you can't be blessed. You have to learn to rest before you can be blessed. You have to enter into his rest, and that means that you trust in him. You learn in the middle of the waiting that it's okay. You don't wait to enjoy life in the waiting, but you enjoy life and you live life in the waiting because you know you're in God's hands. Instead of always looking to the season ahead, you just start living in the season that you're in, trusting God that your season will come, but he's got something to teach you in the season of waiting. And you learn just to rest in his timing. And you can do a lot of work as you rest, but you're resting on the inside. You're not worried. Your mind's not churning, trying to solve everything. You just rest in God's power. You learn to rest so that you can be blessed. Well, how do you rest? 
Well, you rest in God's promises. That's what Abraham did. And Romans 4.20, it says he didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. I love that phrase, Abraham plunged into God's promise from the message paraphrase. I love the way it puts that because he just plunged into God's promise. He laid it all on the line. He looked around in the season of waiting and all the circumstances were going against him. The odds were stacked against him. There was nothing he could see that would say that he was gonna be the father of a great nation. All he had was a promise of God, but that's all he needed. He held on to that promise of God and he plunged into the promise of God. And he just put it all on the line. He totally placed all of the little bit of faith he had totally in God's promise. And that's why it's important to learn God's promises. That's why we've been this year learning about that daily time and being consistent in that daily time with God. That's why I've been letting you in on what I've been going through in my daily quiet time and all our social media platforms and because it's so important for you to know the promises of God and to start memorizing, meditating on the promises of God because God will just grab your heart and attach you to a promise and give you a promise, and you hold on to that promise. If that's all you've got, you hold on to that promise because that's all you need. There were so many times when that's all Abraham had, but he plunged himself into the promise of God, and he put all of his faith, all of his eggs in that one basket, and if God didn't come through, there was no hope. But God came through. And then praise God before it happens. That's how you plunge into the promises of God. You start praising God even before it happens. In Romans 4, 20, it says, but Abraham never doubted. He praised God for this blessing even before it happened. He was completely sure that God was able to do anything he promised. Now, I've said many times when you praise God after he comes through, that's gratitude. And that's a good thing to be thankful and grateful. And a lot of times we don't do that. But when you praise God before he comes through, that's called faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants you to praise him in advance to say, God, I don't get what's going on here. I don't understand it. it. Makes no sense to me, but I know, God, you're God, and you're greater than the circumstances, and you've got a plan. I'm in the waiting room right now, but it's okay because my season is coming, and I praise you, God, that you're gonna work that miracle to bring me into that season in your time. I praise you. I don't feel like it, but I praise you. I praise you, God. That's called faith. And faith opens the door for God to work in our lives. The opposite of faith is unbelief, and it comes out in complaining and griping. That's unbelief, and that blocks the blessings of God in our lives. So don't waver in a difficult season. Rest in God's timing in that season of waiting. But there's a third thing that Abraham did. Surrender to hope in a season of hopelessness. You will go through seasons of hopelessness. You will go through seasons where it feels like there is no hope. And that's part of God's plan so that you'll turn to the one true hope. In Romans 4.18, it says, Abraham, when hope was dead within him, went on hoping in faith. He relied on the word of God. Look at that phrase, when hope was dead. How do you know when hope is dead in your life? You start using the word never a lot. Start using the word never a lot. I'll never graduate. 
I'll never get married. I'll never get over this hurt. I'll never get past this addiction. I will never get through this problem. I'll never get to that season of blessing. How do you know when hope is dead? You start using the word never a lot. Some of you have been using that word never a lot lately. And you know, it's okay. As long as you recognize you're at that place where hope is dead. What do you do when you're at the place where hope is dead? You keep hoping in the God of hope. You see, the reason why God allows our hope to die is so that we'll stop trusting in everything else that brings no life. We'll stop trusting in all the other things that we trust in, and we trust in the only one who is hope, and hope has a name, Jesus Christ. And when you have no hope left, that's when you can turn to the hope, the only hope that you've ever had, the only hope that we all have, and that's Jesus Christ. And so God will allow you to get to that place where all hope is dead in a situation that you're going through. So you'll stop hoping in everything else and everyone else, and you'll put all of your hopes in the only hope, Jesus Christ. And maybe that's where you are right now, and that's a good place to be. Because God always brings us to that dead end before he brings us to deliverance. It's just the way God works so that we will be built for the blessing. It's the way God has always worked. And if you're at a place of dead end, it looks like the worst place to be, but it's the best place you could be because it's the closest place to deliverance that you'll be before God comes through. He brings us to that place where all hope dies so we can stop putting our hope in everything else other than the only one who brings life and resurrection. In Romans 4, 19, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Look at that phrase, he faced the fact. Now this is really important. Because Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90 years old, they still hadn't had a child. Those were the facts. You couldn't deny the facts. They were at a dead end. Those were the facts. And faith is not denying the facts, it's just recognizing that God is the final fact. You can't take God out of the equation. God is the only fact that matters in the equation. And so they didn't deny reality. They just recognized that God was greater than current reality. And they just went on hoping when they had no hope in any circumstance, when they had no hope left in any person, when they had no hope left, they put their hope in the only one who brought hope. And so what do you do when hope has died? You just surrender to God's miracle of deliverance. You just go, God, thank you that I'm at a dead end because I've got nowhere else to turn but to you. And God, thank you that you brought me here so you can bring me to that place of deliverance. When you're in a season where all hope has died, just surrender to the God of hope. When you're in a season where all hope has died, surrender to the one who rose from the grave. You see, on that Friday, all hope was dead. 
On that good Friday, the hope of all the world was dead. But Sunday was coming. Resurrection was coming. There cannot be any resurrection without first there being death. And maybe you've had a dream that's died. Maybe you've had a relationship that's died. Maybe you've had some hope that's just died. There can't be resurrection without first death. And sometimes God will take that dream and he will take the selfishness out of it and then he'll resurrect the part that was his in the first place and take out all the selfishness and all the ego to bring about something amazing because God specializes in resurrections. God specializes in resurrecting dying marriages, in dying dreams, in dying hopes. But there can't be resurrection without death first. So just surrender to God's miracle of deliverance. And then surrender to God's method of deliverance. And this is even harder because so many times I want God to do the miracle the way I think he should, and I try to help God out. And Abraham never doubted, but he tried to help God out. And as he tried to help God out, he made a mess because at 75 years of age, they still hadn't had a son. And so Sarah comes to Abraham with this idea, why don't you have a baby with my maidservant, Hagar? And maybe that's the way God's going to work. So Abraham thinks, yeah, that's a good idea because maybe that's the way God's going to work through a normal conception. And so they have a child named Ishmael. But God says, no, that's not my plan, but... God blesses Ishmael anyway, and he becomes the father of the Arab nation. And then when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, God works this miracle, and she conceives and gives birth to Isaac, and he becomes the father of the Jewish nation. So for the last 2,000 years, all the conflict in the Middle East has just been a family fight, basically. And it was all caused because Abraham tried to run ahead of God. He tried to choose the method for how God was going to work. But God says, let me do the miracle the way I want to do the miracle. And we've got to let God do the miracle his way and in his time because he knows what's best. So surrender to God's method of deliverance. And then open your heart to receiving the harvest. That's the fourth thing. Open your heart to receive the harvest. You see, when your heart is wounded at that place of dead end, when your hopes have died, it's so easy to close your heart down. When you've been hurt deeply, it's easy to close your heart down. And when you do that, you can't receive the season of blessing that's coming. But it's a natural thing to do. So I've got to open my heart again to receive the harvest. But when you open your heart to receive the harvest, you open your heart to receive hurt and feel hurt. In Psalm 126, 5, it says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go plant their seed, but they sing is they return with the harvest. What a beautiful passage. And maybe you're going through a season of tears right now. It's those tears that are watering the harvest in your season of blessing that's about to come. You see, it says they sow in tears, but they come back with singing, carrying the harvest with them and singing. Your season of singing is on the way, maybe, you're in a season of tears and a season of weeping and a season of grief. And that's part of the plan and part of the process. You've got to go through the season of loss. You've got to feel the pain of that loss. You have to grieve your losses. And you have to have the heart wide open and live with your heart wide open. And it gets hurt and it gets wounded. 
and you feel that pain, but it's the only way you can receive your season of blessing is to live with a heart wide open. God wants you to open up your heart. And so what do you do when you're in a season of tears? You keep planting, you keep planting, you keep planting. You do something that doesn't come natural, it's supernatural. You start looking for people who feel hopeless and you fill them with hope. When your hope is dead, what do you do? You plant hope in the lives of others. Doesn't make any sense, but that's what God calls us to do. But you have to open your heart to feel the pain of others. That's why we do the missions and ministries that we do at Woodland Church. So many of them came out of my wife's heart and she lives with a heart wide open to feel the pain and the hurt in her life and in the lives of others. And after the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, right away, we went there to to try to be of help and she was just amazed and burdened that it was just right next to the US and yet so much pain. Over 200,000 people died in the earthquake and so much poverty, and that's why for the last 11 years, we've been doing so much there with our farmers' field schools and providing thousands with sustainable food and water and our coffee ministry in the Hills of Marmalade with all these amazing communities that that grew great coffee, but it would just die because there was no one to sell it to. They had no market. No one wanted Haitian coffee, and so we developed that market for them, and, and we've been bringing medical clinics and eye clinics and dental clinics and, and doing all the food programs and the things that we've been doing for the community and we sell their coffee here. We buy it at a fair price, we sell it here and then the money goes back into their community. And God has just changed that whole community and that's just one of our 100 missions and ministries. Almost all of them came out of a heart that was wide open and felt pain and hurt and grief for others. And you start planting seeds with tears of concern and care. You plant seeds, you plant seeds, you plant seeds, and you will reap a harvest of blessing. It goes totally against our grain, though, to plant seeds of hope when we feel hopeless. But if you'll step out in faith and plant seeds of hope, you'll see a miracle happen right away in your life. And maybe you can't go to Haiti or to one of the other places that we go all the time on mission trips. And during the pandemic, we hadn't been able to go very much on mission trips, but we've been able to sustain all the financial resources that we've been sending to all of these missions and ministries that we've started to keep them all going strong. We haven't haven't come down one dime on any of our commitments, and somehow, someway, God has brought us through. And we're gonna keep doing that because... We're gonna live with wide open hearts as we minister in our area and around the world. Wide open hearts. And I want you to know, you don't have to go to Haiti to plant seeds of hope. You can go next door because people need hope desperately. And you can invite them to Easter, the resurrection. When hope has died in your life, you plant seeds of hope in the lives of others. And I can't think of anything more important than to invite them to Easter. It's gonna be amazing. This Easter, I believe the season of blessing is coming, this Easter. It may feel like Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. It may feel like crucifixion, but resurrection is on its way because of the resurrected one, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if you'll just get someone here, just get someone here, a friend, a neighbor, 
And by the way, we're going to have outdoor services going on at the same time as the indoor services at our campuses with the big screens and seats and everything out there and make it just great. So if someone doesn't feel comfortable coming in, they can worship outside. It's going to be an amazing time of worship. And I just challenge you, invite a friend. Also challenge you to pick up this little brochure on your way out and fill it out and turn it in because we want you to come celebrate the resurrection and then serve the resurrected one. We need every one of you guys to serve at one of our services. We're going to have thousands of people come through and we need every one of you to serve at one of our services. And you can just help with the babies. You can help out with the transit ministry. You, you can welcome people and greet people. There's so many different ways you can serve, but we need every one of you. What a loving thing to do. So pick one of these up, or you can go online, wc.org slash serve, and sign up. Celebrate and then serve. In Romans 4.17, it says, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. I love that phrase. The God who creates new things out of nothing. Maybe you feel like you have nothing left. Maybe you feel like you're totally empty with nothing to give. Maybe you see nothing on the horizon. You see no hope in your future. Maybe you feel like you've got nothing. If you will give your nothing to God, he will make a new thing out of your nothing because God specializes in taking our nothing and making a new thing out of it and bringing a new season of blessing in our lives. God says, okay, that's all you got, nothing? Well, give me your nothing, and I'll do something with it. When you come to the place where you got nothing left, that's when you're at the place where God can do something with your life. When you come to the place where you realize that you're dependent on God for your very next breath, then you can begin to start living in the light of his resurrection and love. But you gotta open your heart to risk. When you're hurt, you wanna close off your heart. When our grandson Jude Samuel went to be with the Lord after one day on this earth, we were so hurt we wanted to close down our, our hearts and we'd prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle of God and God gave us a miracle but it just wasn't the miracle we wanted. It wasn't the way we wanted the miracle to happen and so we wanted to close our hearts down. We were hurting so deeply. And then our daughter Megan sent a group text to our whole family with an obscure passage from the little book of Jude written by Jesus' brother in the New Testament. But we felt like it was coming directly from our Jude from heaven as a word to us. In Jude 1, 1 and 2 from the message paraphrase, I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Some of you are going through a season of loss right now and you've closed your heart down, it's time for you to open your heart again because love is on the way. Don't miss it. Love is on the way. Some of you have lost some battles for your heart. 
Your heart has been deeply hurt. And I just want to say, open your heart again. It's time to risk again because love is on the way. Some of you have had a failure and you've stopped dreaming. I want you to know it's time to start dreaming again because love is on the way. Some of you have been hurt so deeply by someone and you've closed your heart down to forgiveness. It's time to risk forgiving because love is on the way. You forgive for your sake because you don't want to let them keep hurting you. You don't want to let that bitterness take away the blessing that God has for you. Love is on the way. Open your heart. Love is on the way. And some of you, when the pandemic started, you stopped coming to church for good reason because you wanted to make sure you were safe. And hopefully you've been connecting online. But as you started getting back into things, church is not the priority anymore. You know, it's okay if you're in a vulnerable group and, and you're connected online. That, that's a great thing. But if you're not coming to church, but you're going to Walmart and everywhere else, that's not a good thing. Church is essential. For some of you, it's time to open your heart and come back to church and worship together with the body of Christ and to lift him up and to live in faith instead of fear. Some of you, when the pandemic started, you stopped giving because you were afraid. Makes sense? But yet it's time to open your heart and start giving again, to trust God, to plunge into his promise that he will see you through. Open your heart, love is on the way. Open your heart, love is on the way. I'm just telling you, it may seem like Friday, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. It may seem like crucifixion, but resurrection is on its way because we have the risen Lord, the God of hope, and hope has a name, Jesus Christ. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are the God of hope. And I just pray for everyone here who feels like they're in a season of hopelessness that you would just show them that the season of blessing is just around the corner. And so many times, Lord, we experience winter, and it just seems to last and last and last, and, and the freeze seems to just kill all the hope in our lives, but Lord, we thank you that it's only when our hope dies that we can find that you're our only hope, and we stop hoping in all those things that can never bring life, so right now, Lord, we take the little bit of hope we have and we place it all on you. And we ask you to do miracles. And we pray for everyone who's going through a season of hopelessness that you would just fill them with your hope as only you can. You would help us, Lord, plant hope and plant hope and plant hope in the lives of others. Because that season of singing is on its way. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you in advance for it. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us would open our hearts and step out in faith so we don't miss the love that is on the way. I pray for those who've never received you, they would open their heart right now to you for the first time and in their heart say, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I open up my life to you and ask you to forgive me of all my sins and I receive your free gift of forgiveness and salvation in heaven. I could never earn it or deserve it, so I just place the little bit of faith I have totally on you, Jesus. Be the Lord of my life. 
For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've prayed to receive Christ in your life, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make, and he comes into your life. He did all the work. All you had to do was receive him. But now you take steps of faith to grow in him. Hey, next weekend, we're gonna conclude this series, don't miss it, because it may be more powerful than Easter on Palm Sunday weekend. Don't miss it. Invite friends. But right now, we're gonna take our offering, and the way we do that is we don't pass the offering basket, we just take out our smartphone, and take out your smartphone, and you can just text the word GIVEWC to 77977, and that's the way we give. Um, text GIVEWC is one word to 77977. Or you can, if you're online, maybe you're at home and you've got the computer out, go to wc.org slash give. Um, you can go to our app and you can give. You can give on your way out at the offering boxes on the way out. You can mail your check-in, but whatever you do, make it a habit and give because you love God. Uh, don't give because of all the ministries and missions. Yeah, that's a huge need, but you give first and foremost because you love God and you put him first, and you trust him. And then play, pray that God will multiply it, and God will multiply those gifts. And I just really challenge you, whatever season you're in, plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds, because he who sows in tears will reap a harvest and come in with singing. The season of singing is on its way. Why don't we do that right now? Let's stand together, and I said, you know, you praise God before it happens. And that's faith. Let's do that right now. I believe with all my heart your season is on its way. Your season will come, but God takes us through that process over and over again. God will take you through that process where there will be that winter time where the seed goes dormant. There will be that winter time and the seed goes in the ground and dies so that it can be resurrected and come to life. Maybe there's a seed that has died in your life but God is about to bring it to life as you surrender it all to him. But let's pray and let's sing in advance because I believe God's gonna do some amazing breakthroughs over the next few weeks leading up to resurrection weekend. I believe that your season will come. It's the way God's always worked from the manger to the cross. He doesn't do things instantly most of the time. There's a process that he takes us through from the manger to the empty tomb. Your season is on its way. Don't give up when the treasure is just around the next turn. Let's sing it with all our hearts. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.